Well, welcome to a Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and I'm glad to have you along for the ride today. I know that typically in years gone by, we haven't done Super Tuesdays in non-election years. But this year, because there, I mean, the, the landscape changed so dramatically in the pol- political world in 2020, it seemed like we kept going through with Super Tuesdays in 2021 because of the uh, California recall and other reasons. And then 22, of course, with the midterms. And now things are so wonky and so strange, especially for people who are Christians. This hour, we're devoting the entire hour to political things far and wide, near and dear to our hearts. We'll take a look at the national scene. We'll look, take a look at the local scene, the international scene. And uh, actually, who's, uh, the guest we have lined up for this hour is Christina Bob. And uh, you may not be familiar with the name. Maybe you are. Uh, she was an investigative reporter for a number of years. She's an attorney. She is a legal mind and also a, a veteran. But she has now taken a position working for Donald Trump's campaign as one of his campaign attorneys. There are attorneys that he has for his personal stuff, like Jay Sekulow was involved in that for a while. And uh, he actually has uh, a legal representation working with him closely, of course, on the 2024 election bid. So uh, Christina's going to join me in about 10 minutes. We're going to talk about the new book that she's written called Stealing Your Vote. It's basically, as an investigative reporter, she calls this the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. And the reason I wanted to bring this story to light is, quite frankly, because I think a lot of us are kind of sick and tired of the this falling into two different categories, right? Okay, the, the mainstream media calls it the big lie. The big lie is that Donald Trump said that it was the big steal, that the election was stolen. And I have always kind of wandered into the camp of it was rigged. I don't know how stolen it actually was. And that that's kind of where I've shared with you. I mean, we've had, there were several hundred cases of election fraud or, you know, or in, in some cases it wasn't this, you know, election fraud is a, it's a, it's a Pandora's box. It's one of those Petrushka dolls, you know, you just keep digging and digging and digging. Next thing you know, it, it, it never seems to end. But there were laws that were passed during the COVID pandemic time that were designed to make it, quote unquote, easier for people to be safer and to vote, you know, Democrat pretty much because Democrats vote through the mail more than Republicans do. I mean, that, that, that's just a statement of fact. So. Then there's the issue of, well, what other laws might have been changed over at least the uh, two years leading up to the election and possibly the four? Because you know that Donald Trump was not in the playbook. I mean, the globalist agenda, if you will, was after Ronald Reagan, you had George H.W. Bush and then Bill Clinton and then George W. Bush and then Barack Obama. And they were all part of this deal that's trying to make the U.S. uh, Well, I used to liken it, I think, when President Obama was in office, I'd say, Basically, his his mantra was make America Europe again. You know, I mean, that, that really seemed to the American exceptionalism and stuff to, just didn't really jibe with the globalist agenda. So when Hillary Clinton was running in 2016, that was the next piece in the puzzle. And Donald Trump decided to get some free publicity and ran for president on the Republican side. There were, what, 21 different Republicans uh, at the uh, debates and everything. And one by one, slowly but surely, he started picking them off and knocking them out. The Republicans kind of did a circular firing squad. And next thing you know, Donald Trump's the last man standing. Well, the globalists loved that because they figured, well, we could beat this guy. I mean, anybody could beat this guy. And then Hillary Clinton lost. And it was interesting because when you look at, you know, they, they stirred up the whole Russian collusion thing, which turned out to be a hoax. And 
you know, there was the, uh, but, well, take your pick. I mean, her email scandal, which wasn't a hoax, was ruled a hoax, even though it wasn't. It was more credible threat to democracy than anything Donald Trump did. But then you, you, you get down to the 2016 campaign, and in 2017, you know the minions are working behind the scenes saying, we have to make sure Donald Trump does not win re-election. Trump, in his overconfidence, borderline arrogance, uh, decides he doesn't need to pay attention to what's going on behind the scenes because the people love him and he'll win and he'll get Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis to go out and sing his prices and, and, and people will vote for him. And sure enough, 74 million Americans did. But 81 million Americans voted for Joe Biden, or at least that's what we're told. And Christina Bob was working as an investigative reporter with a legal background to take a look at these different, there were like 300 different cases that we know of that were involving uh, electoral fraud or, you know, and, and the, the fraud took on many forms. You know, it was it was very foolish, I think, for the Trump administration to, you know, clutch their pearls on November 4th, 2020, the day after the election, and say, wait, there's fraud and we're, you know, we, we're going to challenge this and we're going to get it thrown out. Mike Pence and blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, that there wasn't enough time. There were too many cases. There are too many different jurisdictions. What about county laws? What about state laws? What about city laws? What about federal law? Who had the jurisdiction for this? Who had the jurisdiction for that? When you're filing a lawsuit, if you don't have the standing to file it, the courts will not allow you to file it. And there were like 82 different lawsuits that were filed on behalf of the Trump administration. And apparently nobody had the uh, uh, the jurisdiction, the, to, uh, the standing to file them. But there had to be something else going on behind the scenes. It's really very easy to point fingers and say, well, I'm a conservative, I'm a Republican, and I wanted my guy to win, and the Democrats won, so it's all their fault. Or the Democrats to say, well, Donald Trump won, oh, there must be election fraud, I mean, I can't believe all those people in the Rust Belt would vote for him, and, and we're going to, uh, it's the Russians. <sighs> well, what if, maybe, just maybe, it was both parties working together? I mean, listen, the, the, the part that people don't tend to see on a regular basis is, what about not the mushy middle, but I'm talking about the Republican establishment that didn't like Donald Trump. They kind of had to hold their nose and, um, you know, say, this is our guy. They wouldn't have any problems. Oh, gee, Donald Trump lost? Bummer. Uh, you want to challenge the election results? Well, I don't know if we can help you. Oh, sorry, guys. Is that a part of the puzzle that we haven't been looking at either? Boy, we're going to have a great conversation with Christina Bob today on her brand new book called Stolen. We've got a couple copies that we'll give away today as well. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Now, I mentioned an international story, and this is well worth getting into because obviously whoever wins the presidency in 2024 is going to have to deal with different governments. And this story involves a member of the parliament of a nation that just joined NATO. And we're talking about Finland. Now, you may have heard of the case of the uh, member of parliament in Finland, Pavi Rasanan. A year ago, she was brought up on charges for voice. Here's what she did. <laughs> oh, my goodness. She had the courage to say that she, as a Christian, has biblical beliefs about marriage and sexuality. In other words, she believes that marriage is between a man and a woman, full stop, and that when it comes to sexuality, uh, anything outside of the sexual expression in the marriage is sin, so that means whether it's fornication, adultery, same-sex, whatever. And then that kind of wanders into the transgender issue as well. She basically created and published a pamphlet back in 2004 um, 
and the pamphlet is simply called Male and Female, He Created Them. Homosexual relationships challenge the Christian concept of humanity. Now, if you read the Bible literally, she's absolutely right with that title. Now, that's not to disparage anybody who has same-sex attraction, you know, that type of feeling, or this, that, and the other thing. We've had a number of people over the years who've listened to The Bottom Line who are part of the LGBTQ community and, you know, have, have kind of enjoyed the conversation, which I'm grateful for, because we don't back away from biblical Christianity, but we want to do so with gentleness and respect, right, to make it a place where we can talk about ideas and not feel like, not make people feel like they're getting ganged up on. But male and female, he created them is right out of Genesis. So, I mean, that's, that's not too hard for us as Christians to figure out. So she published that. Um, apparently, in 2019, what got all of her problems started was a tweet. She went on Twitter and she was very critical of the leadership of the Finnish Lutheran Church for supporting LGBT Pride Month. And so she posted some... Uh, Twitter feeds, and that's when she got into trouble with the Finnish government for doing this. It's incredible. Alliance Defending Freedom Executive Director Paul Coleman described that situation as a new low for free speech in Europe. Now, the case was eventually resolved, but uh, the court had ruled originally it's not the district court to interpret biblical concepts, so therefore... um, Ms. Rosadin, who used to be the leader of Finland's Christian Democratic Party, said in a statement, by continuing its campaign to censor peaceful beliefs, the prosecution is setting a dangerous precedent of intolerance and free speech. I will keep fighting for free speech because it is the cornerstone of a free and democratic society. I'm hopeful that an appeal court will make the same decision as the district court will hopefully acquit me again. Again, you ask? Yes, yet again. A year ago, she was acquitted after being prosecuted. Now, I mean, here we are. She commemorated the first anniversary since the unanimous acquittal by uh, working with her uh, defense group, ADF International. Uh, There's another piece of the puzzle. Apparently, prosecutors have continued to demand her views be censored. And she still could be facing tens of thousands of dollars in fines because the prosecutors won't let up. Now, For our Colorado listeners, does this sound familiar? Have you been to Masterpiece Cake Shop recently? Remember how joyful we were in 2018? I got to meet with Jack Phillips in 2017. He had a big rally at Colorado Christian University. Uh, Got to meet with Jack and Baronel Stutzman, hung out with them for a little bit. It It was a wonderful time together. We prayed. We were hoping that we would get two wins. Baronel's, unfortunately, her case uh, didn't turn out the way we were hoping, and basically Arlene's Flowers now is out of business in Washington State. But Jack Phillips was victorious, 7-2, to two, ruling that the Human Rights Council, uh, so-called, of uh, Colorado had discriminated against him because they basically, I mean, and it was kind of an open and shut case, really. I'm surprised that it wasn't 9 nothing when you read the transcripts of what the HRC commissioner said about Jack Phillips and his faith. It was just a huge violation of separation of church and state. But then another attorney shows up literally on the day that they're handing down that verdict and says, yeah, I- I'm coming out as transgender and I want you to uh, make a cake that's got was well, a blue icing on the outside, but pink on the inside. And Jack says, I can't do that because, you know, my biblical values and they file a suit and the same commission that <laughs> that ruled against him initially and wound up having the case go to court and be overturned by the Supreme Court, that same crew decide, ruled against him again, and the appellate courts are not favorable to Jack. 
So Jack Phillips, Pavi Rosinen, we need to keep our brothers and sisters in Christ in your prayers as they are speak, literally just speaking the truth in love. I'm not saying that you need to go militant when you get to a situation like this. We don't have to. We just have to speak the truth in love. And understand, brothers and sisters, that the closer we get to the day of the Lord's returning, more and more Christians are going to be put on trial, are going to potentially, potentially be arrested and potentially be imprisoned for speaking biblical truth. Do so with grace, do so with respect, but stand firm in your faith. And please keep Pavi Rosinen, the member of the Finnish uh, parliament, in your prayers as she's facing even more legal challenges now after winning a unanimous acquittal last year in court. We'll put this article up at thebottomlineshow.com. Okay, did that whet your appetite for more Super Tuesday conversation? On the other side of this break, Donald Trump's campaign attorney, Christina Bob, joins me to talk about the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. The book is called Stealing Your Vote. We've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. We'll get into it coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, Super Tuesday edition of the program, and joined by an expert, someone who has been studying what's been happening in the political landscape for quite some time, and now she is working very closely with someone who would like to be the president again in 2024, Christina Bob, investigative reporter and attorney who spent most of the past couple of years literally traveling the country, exploring on and reporting on the growing mountain of evidence of election fraud and mismanagement. She's written a book about what she's found. It's called Stealing Your Vote, the Inside Story of the 2020 Election and What It Means for 2024. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Christina Bob, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. For someone who has uncovered so much graft and corruption, you seem pretty calm right now. I would think that this would be keeping you up at night. How, help us understand. I mean, you're a veteran, a lawyer. You're now working with uh, President Trump on his 2024 campaign. Right. But I'm sure that you needed to kind of go back and see where the bodies were buried and say, OK, look, we know that there was something funky that happened in 2020. Uh, where did you start digging and how did you get involved in all this in the first place? Yeah, well, I was reporting from the White House on election night in 2020, November 3rd, and just kind of, this is weird. <laughs> you know, something <laughs> weird is happening. Donald Trump was up by hundreds of thousands, close to a million votes, particularly in Pennsylvania on election night, and then they stopped counting. You know, yeah. I'd never seen that happen before, and I, it didn't make any sense to me other than something was weird. Yeah. And so I just start, you know, I continued, I was a reporter. So I just continued reporting and kind of stuck with the story. Um, Arizona was my home state. So, you know, there was a lot of issues with Arizona. So I really dug into that and just kind of kept going with it. And, you know, here we are a couple of years later and I'm still working on it. So, right. 
you know, it, it, it's not over yet and we need to clean it up before 24. So I, I wanted to uh, put together a lot of what I found so that people could digest it. You know, reading a book is different than hearing a report on, right. on the news and you digest it differently. And so I wanted to give people that opportunity to understand what happened and figure out what their role could be in uh, creating a solution. Yeah, I, I'm in the camp of that the election was rigged. I haven't fully gone all the way into the steel yet, but in reading your book, I'm beginning to change my mind in terms of what to use. Now, is it first and foremost, do you think there was any danger? I mean, the, the president was pretty passionate, pretty adamant, and the media just kind of sidestepped it. No, the big steel is a big lie. Full right. stop, and we'll just say that's what leftists do. How do we help try, kind of uh, evangelize, if you will, to people on the left? And people even in the center, kind of like me, to say, hey, yeah. look, this is more than just a couple of laws were kind of funky and the secretary of state here and the attorney general there. Right. This was a concentrated effort. How do we start? To, what are some good first steps to take? Yeah, well, I would say I wouldn't blame the left. I mean, it's very much a Republican problem as well. Yes, obviously, I would say Democrats cheated. The way I like to summarize my findings is Democrats cheated, but Republicans covered it up. This was very mm. much a joint effort on both sides. So I don't love the finger pointing. I myself do it at times, particularly when I feel like Democrats are making it so easy to do. Sure, sure. But it truly was a bipartisan effort to rig this election, not just against Donald Trump, but to deprive the American people the opportunity to select their own leader. Uh, and this is a group of people in power who want to keep their power, not just at the top. It's not just Congress. It's not just Nancy Pelosi and all them, although they're, I'm sure, in some way, you know, involved in the decision making. But it, it was all the way down to local levels. And quite honestly, there were some really great patriots in all of these contested states. I spent months on the ground in Arizona, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan. And uh, there were great patriots at the state level in all of those states, and every single one of them were blocked by Republicans. Not mm. a single one of them had to actually fight a Democrat to try to clean up the elections because wow. they can't get past Republicans. So we need to clean up our own side. If we, we, if we just take care of our own business, just clean up our own side, we'll be fine. Well, that's that's a stark, uh, honest criticism and a constructive one from Christina Bob today here on The Bottom Line. She's President Trump's attorney for the 2024 campaign and the author of the brand new book called Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. I, I really enjoyed the part where you talk about how Michigan became the rhinos Alamo. And I'd love yeah. for you to unpack that for us, if you will, because we do have a lot of listeners who uh, kind of cross-pollinate between our show here and Bob. Duco show on WMUZ. So what, what do you mean by a rhino's Alamo in Michigan? Yeah, well, it's funny. It's a little bit more prophetic than I anticipated. Mm -hmm. uh, rhino's Alamo, I mean, it was just rich with rhinos that were actively working very hard against patriots in that state. And so I, I just kind of labeled it thinking, man, these, these rhinos are going to go down hard because the people of Michigan were adamant that the conservatives in Michigan were very upset. They were up in arms trying to figure out how to clean up their elections and reaching out to their state leaders and were having a hard time getting through. And I thought, man, these, these Republicans are really turning on their own constituents. Well, interestingly, in the 2022 election, and you know, the book went to print before the 22 election, so I didn't get to add this in, but uh, the Republicans had held the House and Senate in Michigan for 45 years. Mm. And after they refused to clean up the election and refused to honor their constituents, they lost control of both the House and the Senate in 2022. They lost control of everything. So when I, I called it the Rhino's Alamo, not realizing it was <laughs> going to be so accurate. Uh, yeah. Well, well, now we can add to your credentials, Christina Bob, attorney, veteran, and prophet. <laughs> 
Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> wouldn't say that too loudly, but but yeah, I I, I kind of laughed about it when I saw that. Michigan lost everything. I was like, wow, that was more accurate than I realized. Mm, boy, that is tough. Stealing Your Vote is the new book by Christina Bob. It's the inside story of the 2020 election, what it means for us in 2024. And unfortunately, we may have had a foretaste of the feast to come in the 2022 midterms. Uh, you talked about Arizona, and I know Arizona has uh, your home state. Carrie Lake just went through this whole nonsense in 2022 as well, and she's having her cases thrown out. Yep. There's a big difference between, though, and you, I think you brought up an excellent point, Christina. There's a big difference between we know the laws were broken and what can we do to remedy things? Yeah. Uh, is, is it reparable in Arizona more so than Michigan? Yeah, I, I think it's it's reparable everywhere. And it comes down to the people. We have to clean this up at a precinct level and a county level because we've okay. been waiting for a couple of years to try to clean it up from the top down and we've been disappointed. It hasn't happened. So we need a lot of people involved and a lot of people putting pressure on their counties to actually clean up their process and do what the people want them to do, which is run clean and fair elections. And um, we saw this in 2021 when Virginia had a gubernatorial race and New Jersey had a gubernatorial race. Well, how was it that just one year after the 2020 election, Virginia, which everybody assumed would be a solid blue state, went red? How did that happen? Yeah. And it was because there was a massive amount of angry parents who were upset about critical race theory, about the transgender ideology, mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. uh, being labeled domestic terrorists, the Loudoun County School District issued transgenders with, you know, males in the female restroom. They were upset. And so they showed up in force, not just to vote, but they showed up to be part of the process and they secured their election. So Virginia did it in a year just by parents wow. rising up and being part of the process. This is possible everywhere. We just need people involved. Boy, Christina Bob is preaching some good news to us who are looking for election integrity here on the Bottom Line Show. And for 2024, I mean, it's it's crucial. It's crucial. It's critical. It's essential. Stealing Your Vote is the new book, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Um, I want to give you a little more. We're coming up on a break. I'm going to break a little early because it wouldn't be fair to say, hey, in 45 seconds, what happened in Georgia? Uh, that, <laughs> there's a lot more going on there, and especially because of the ongoing Going, and I'm using air quotes for our myhopenow.com people, uh, the ongoing uh, criminal investigation into President Trump and the so-called interference in Georgia. I want to get Christina's take on that in just a moment. Go to thebottomlineshow.com, click on the link for Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024 by author, investigative reporter, attorney Christina Bob, who is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. More of our conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to this Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We're getting to know Christina Bob. Christina is new legal counsel for President Trump's re-election campaign. And it's appropriate to call him president. I mean, once, you know, you'd say President Carter, President Clinton. So President Trump uh, still has one more term he can run for and is uh, ginning up to try to do just that. Uh, Christina Bob came into the Trump world as an attorney who was also an investigative reporter when she started reporting on what happened in the 2020 election. And it became a very a tremendous value to the Trump campaign, obviously, because it basically laid out the story. I mean, we're talking Michigan, Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico, so many different examples, uh, Georgia. Uh, and, and the big revelation that we're seeing in this book is that it, one thing to say, well, look at what the Democrats did to keep Donald Trump out of office. But hiding under the shadows are the establishment Republicans that have been also working to say, oh, darn, Donald Trump didn't win re-election. Well, shoot, there's really nothing we could do to help. 
Um, Christina's book is called Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. We have two copies of this book that we're giving away today. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Now, I, I, the reason I love this book so much is not that I'm a instant Donald Trump supporter. Obviously, if he winds up getting the Republican nomination and he's running against Joe Biden, that's an easy pick. But what's good about this, I think, is what Christina advocates in terms of us as citizens looking objectively at things like voter fraud and election integrity and saying, what can we do to make sure that there's a level level playing field for everyone? Now, obviously, Christina Bob is working for the Trump campaign. So she's saying, hey, you know, here's how Trump got jacked in 2020 and how we can you know, get him back in office in 2024. It does provide that kind of blueprint for this. But moreover, though, if you as an American who loves freedom, who loves liberty, who thinks the Constitution is a pretty cool document and you're tired of feeling like your vote doesn't count, there are some practical tips in this book for how you can kind of get that mojo back, if you will. Uh, one of the most simple ways, quite frankly, we're seeing this here in the People's Republic of California. Uh, it took a, quite a bit of work from our friends at Judicial Watch and some other groups and a couple of lawsuits filed. But Freedom of Information Act revealed that California had something like 1.2 million people who were registered to vote who were not eligible to vote. Either they were they'd moved, you know, you lived in Orange County and then you moved to San Francisco or whatever. Not that you that, let's try that again. Uh, you live in California and you moved to Texas. How about that? Um when you have voter registration, if for some reason California doesn't cancel your voter registration because now you're a Texas citizen, then you're registered in two states and someone could get a hold of your election stuff and vote for you. That's not good. So stealing your vote has a lot of good information about how to stop that from happening, too. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, more of my conversation with Donald Trump's campaign attorney, Christina Bob, as the bottom line continues. Life insurance will never replace the person you love, but that money can help you get through life when it feels impossible. When your life insurance claim is denied while you're already dealing with so much, you need someone on your side. Stephanie Cover of Cover Law used to work for the insurance companies. She challenges and understands the way insurance companies think. Hire Stephanie to file a life insurance appeal while everything is still fresh in your mind. Don't let the insurance company get away with greedy behavior while you're in mourning. Stephanie Cover will do everything in her power to get you the financial protection which was promised to you as a beneficiary of the policy. The money from the life insurance proceeds can supplement your income so you can support yourself throughout the process of bereavement. Save Stephanie's number or call her now at 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Or you can fill out a contact form at kbrightradio.com slash coverlaw. Stephanie Cover, she knows the other side. Christina Bob is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Christina currently serves in a legal capacity with the Trump campaign for 2024. I want to make sure I I credential you properly, Christina, before we start talking again about your book, Stealing Your Vote. How did you come to be? You were an investigative reporter. You're a lawyer. You started working with the president now. And are you working exclusively on the campaign or are you working with him in business capacity? How are you doing that? Yeah, so I'm on the campaign. I'm an attorney for the 2024 campaign. And that came about because President Trump uh, was following my recording. He was following my work and he wants to run again for president and knew that he would need to kind of focus on election integrity in ways that maybe campaigns haven't traditionally done that. So yeah. he offered me uh, an opportunity to join his team and I was thrilled to do so. 
I think it's great. And I'm, I'm pleased to see a little preemptive, uh, you know, planning on his part, because one of the knocks I had on the campaign in 2020 was just the fact that they acted so surprised when this type of stuff was happening. And then we read, was it Time or Newsweek? And that, well, we had this four-year run-up that's going on here. And I had John Eastman on the program here not too long after that all happened. And he said, yeah, you know, by the time they called me, um, yeah, was, really, I mean, the timing, what do you do in two or three yeah, weeks? Yeah, over after that. Yeah, so, yeah pretty yeah. much. So the fact that you're laying a good foundation, I think, is, is very, very helpful. Before the break, we were talking about Georgia and your boss uh, had the big grandstanding, you know, event with uh, right. Alvin Bragg in Manhattan, which is just seems like nothing, even people on the left, you know, keep talking about theater. I looked at CNN.com the day after this all happened, there wasn't one story on the Manhattan DA thing. And I thought, well, then MSNBC said, yeah, but you know, there's always Georgia. And yeah. I thought, okay, well, you covered Georgia in your book. What were the, what were the, you have a chapter on the Georgia's Republican roadblocks. What specifically yeah. are you referring to in that case? Well, uh, in, in that case, I was referring to um, Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary mm -hmm. of State, and he's also right. the one that had the phone call with President Trump. He, in my opinion, never really made a true effort at transparency, allowing the people of Georgia to take a look at, to take a look at the ballots, to take a look at the process, right. uh, what happened. He claims he did an audit. He didn't do an audit. He did a recount. Uh, the concern was about the ballots and whether the ballots were legitimate, whether the images were legitimate. Um, so uh, there were a lot of questions surrounding what happened in that election. And from what I could see, I don't think Brad Raffensperger actually made a really good attempt at transparency. So no. uh, that makes it hard to trust the process. Yeah, well, it certainly does, especially when the audio was leaked to the phone call, or at least we were told it was, and then it yeah. was quoted, and then four months later, he really didn't say, go find me some votes. And But by then, the dam you know, the cat's out of the bag, the damage is yeah. done, you can't unhear what wasn't spoken. But but that's kind of a recurring theme with the media, isn't it? I mean, and even some people on the GOP side, when it comes to Donald Trump, they go for the quote that they thought they heard that sounds most like him as opposed to what he actually said and did. And then you wind up with a Georgia situation where it, uh, you know, it's 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 difficult to overcome. Um, what about states like New Mexico? What about states like Nevada? What what about even Texas? I mean, you write about that in your book, Stealing Your yeah. Vote. Can I give us a, a, a 35,000 foot view, if you will, about what happened in some of these states with regard to election integrity and what we can yeah. do to get more integrity in 24? Well, in every state, people need to be involved. I mean, there were issues in Texas, there were issues in Nevada, there were issues in New Mexico, and it all comes down to elected officials that get comfortable in their positions and are willing to skirt the process just a little bit, you know, not cheating, but just make it a little more favorable so that they, it's easier for them to keep their seat. And most of us don't really pay attention because we're busy li living our lives, running a business, raising a family, going to church, going to work, doing what we do. So, no, you know, no one's going to bother to double check the election procedures for local elections. Well, turns out we need to start doing that because there's problems in all of those states. I mean, uh, New Mexico had a lot of the same issues that we saw in Michigan, where Republicans were excluded. Mm. They weren't able to observe the process. I mean, it's a smaller state and it wasn't necessarily one that people expected to go for Donald Trump. And so it didn't get a lot of the fanfare that some of these other right. states did. But there were problems there. And it's important for the people of New Mexico to know that their elections are safe and secure and uh, that they can trust the process and that it's actually the people of New Mexico electing their leaders. So I give some some specific examples in the book yeah. about what was happening there. Um, same thing in Nevada. There's a lot of shenanigans in Nevada with double votes and, you know, the way they do the 
voter registration through the DMV. Anytime you make a change at the DMV, whether you get married, divorced, you know, you move, whatever it is, you get a new voter registration. So it's not, it's not even improbable for people mm. to have five or six voter registrations. And then, you know, these additional voter registrations allow cheaters to stuff ballots right. using, you know, fake voter registration. So they're not fake, but just duplicate voter registration. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that need to be done. Nevada, the Nevada GOP, I'll give them a lot of credit. They're doing great work trying to clean up their voter rolls. Uh, you know, there's more that needs to happen with it. But uh, state, states are making efforts, but we need more people involved. Definitely. Christina Bob is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, attorney for President Trump in his 2024 re-election campaign and author of the brand new book called Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. One of the most interesting and maybe eye-opening things that I got from reading your book, Christina, was the fact that, as you, you've duly noted, the fact that it's really easy for people on the conservative side of the aisle to look at people on the progressive side and say, well, they're the problem. You know, right. we don't have any problems here. And basically, you're kind of saying physician heal thyself. I mean, in terms right. of the, what the Republican Party needs to do for 2024. What can our listeners start? I mean, we have a few Democrats, mostly conservative Republicans who listen to the bottom line, showing some independence right. as well, because California is a 24 uh, percent no party preference state. What can we as citizens, as voters who want election integrity, regardless of what initial is next to our name, uh, right. what can we start doing to make sure that some of these changes that you're proposing actually come to, to fruition? Yeah, well, get involved in the process. Find either your local county or state GOP or a grassroots effort in your area. If there isn't one, start one. Take a look at your voter rolls. Are your voter rolls clean? Uh, take a look at who's running your elections. Are they running them properly? Are you happy with the procedures? You know, are you okay with paper ballots? How many days do you have to vote? Learn the process in your area and who's running it. And, you know, are they allowing equal access for Democrats and Republicans? That's the law in all these states, but we see it's not happening in practice. So figure out what the problems are in your area and contact your local officials and say, hey, I want you to make these changes. And it's easier to do that when you're with a coalition of people kind of pushing the same objective in your area. So if you go to right. precinctstrategy.com, uh, that's a group that gets people involved in their precinct levels and shows Excellent. you how to be effective at in your precinct to make sure that your precinct is clean and fair. So go there, get involved, clean up your precinct, clean up your county. And if everybody does that, we will have a clean election. I'm going to do a little conjecture here because we're imagining now what 2024 and the uh, the, the run-up to the election day is going to be like. And, of course, election day now is election month or right. you know, because of all the early voting and the online things you could do with the mail-ins. Um, President Trump uh, faced Albert Bragg, DA's office, the 34 counts, et cetera, et cetera. They want a trial, as I get the sense, from the, uh, uh, the Democrats anyway, because they think that's going to be their best weapon for keeping him out of office, I would surmise. Um, not an attorney, so I'm not quite sure. But it seems to me that some folks on the GOP side are saying, hey, if he's, you know, having to go to trial every day and we've got T-shirts made up, you know, free Donald Trump and whatever, that's actually going to work in his favor. Um, what how should we be approaching this prayerfully for those who are supporting Donald Trump saying we want this trial to end or we want, you know, does, yeah. does it help? Does it help or hurt his campaign? I guess if they're still going through trial during the primaries. Well, I, and to be clear, I'm not on his New York legal team. I'm on the campaign, but right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you're, you're reading the situation accurately. I think Americans are seeing it for what it is. It's a political witch hunt. And um, I don't, I personally don't, 
don't like the fact that they're doing this. I do think it's going to help the campaign. Mm -hmm. That said, I still don't want it happening. It's not good right. for our country. It's not good for the process, the political process in our country. So even though it is helping the campaign in the sense that we're raising funds and people, you know, I mean, my phone was blowing up after the arraignment of people mm. saying, you know, I'm, I was not going to vote for Donald Trump or I wasn't Trump's corner, but I am now because what they're doing to him is a problem. And I think they're just shoving everybody into Donald Trump's corner. That said, it's still bad for our country. So yeah. it, it needs to stop. So my hope is that all of this political corruption and criminal corruption is behind us in the very near future uh, for the benefit of the country and that Donald Trump gets on with his race and runs the best campaign in the country. But, you know, that's not our decision. That's up, that's up to the left. Yeah, it certainly is. And it's interesting, but the same people who here in the People's Republic of California keep saying, I have to pass Proposition 1, because if we don't have abortion in the Constitution, our democracy will be gone. And we're just kind of sort of like, what? That doesn't make any sense. The same people keep saying democracy dies in darkness, want Donald Trump tried for felonies that really aren't felonies, they're misdemeanors. Uh, Christina Bob is with me today here on The Bottom Line. Stealing Your Vote is the book. It's excellent. The inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Christina, we've got about 90 seconds left in our conversation time, and I'm so grateful that you've been so generous with yours. Um, encourage our listeners and our viewers yeah. on myhopenow.com as well that what th this is a winnable war this is a fixable problem but it is going to take some strategic maneuvering and actions on our part as you mentioned you know uh, getting involved in precinct work and things yeah. like that give us give us a little encouragement as we conclude you're exactly right donald trump wouldn't be in this race if he didn't plan on winning and didn't believe he could win i wouldn't be working for him if i didn't think he was gonna win uh, he, he's going to fight this fight. He will prevail just like he prevails at everything. I do think that he will be back in office in 2025, but he can't do it without all of you. He can't do it without the American people showing up, securing their precinct, being part of the process, being well-informed, you know, get your coworkers, your family, your friends, get everybody involved because this has to be a grassroots movement. Just yeah. like we saw in 2021 between Virginia and New Jersey, it is doable. It is so doable, but it takes the American people getting involved to actually secure our elections. And if, if we all do our part, I fully expect to see Donald Trump back in the White House. Well, and if we all do our part, we're going to see a fair election. And, and if Correct. that results in Donald Trump being elected, then we can enjoy that all the more, you know, because yeah. now we'll know, unlike 2020, when the guy who's in the White House right now said, well, I was elected fair and square, and we all knew he wasn't. No. But but we're, we want a fair election. And of course, in Christina's case, she's she's pushing for Donald Trump. And I wouldn't mind seeing him for four more years in that case. Christina Bob, the author of the new book called Stealing Your Vote, the Inside Story of the 2020 Election and What It Means for 2024. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Christina, great to get to meet you. Hopefully, we'll have more conversations as the campaign wears on. But for now, thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Yes, thank you so much. Well, thank you, Christina. What a great conversation today and a wonderful resource, too, regardless of whom you are voting for. The thing I like about this book, and one of many things, is that I, it's nonpartisan in the sense, I mean, obviously you look at it and say, well, wait, she's a Republican attorney and she's working for a Republican candidate. And the guy that she's working for, uh, President Trump, uh, got jacked and he got jobbed on the election in 2020. All those things are true, <laughs> but... As a freedom-loving, constitutionally-based American citizen who is a person of faith, uh, the, something as basic as making sure the precincts aren't, you know, under weird attack, you know, like we talked about the, the Pennsylvania and Georgia in 2020 and how all of a sudden they stopped counting votes for several hours and then more votes for the other side showed up and that 
keeping that stuff from happening, I think is huge. Her book is called Stealing Your Vote, The Inside Story of the 2020 Election and What It Means for 2024. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And we have not one but two copies of this book to give away. 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, the book you're going to be asking about is Christina Bob's book called Stolen or excuse me, stealing your vote, how the rigging of the 2020 election, uh, well, just does not bode well for those of us in 2024. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, we've said this often, and I might have even mentioned it in my conversation here just a moment ago with Christina Bob. We've, we've made the, the connection that if John F. Kennedy I think Dennis Prager uses this a lot. If John F. Kennedy were running for president today, would he even get elected? I mean, would anybody, you know, you talk about folks who identify as Kennedy Democrats. You know, there was a time when John Kennedy was seen as the liberal dude, you know, the, the, the outlier. And uh, but now when you see some of the things that he said, you know, like, yeah, it's not what your country could do for you. You know, ask what you could do for your country, that type of thing. I mean, some of the social welfare programs and this, that, and the other thing that really weren't designed around big government per se. I mean, some could make that argument, but most people would agree that if John Kennedy were alive today and were running for office, he'd probably be considered a conservative Republican based on the way both the parties have drifted. Well, we may not get ever get a chance to know. I mean, there may be some computer programs somewhere, some virtual reality where they can determine whether or not the policies of John Kennedy would get him elected with current voters. But there is a Kennedy who has thrown his hat into the ring to run for the highest office in the land, if not the world. And there are some people on the left, especially, who are very concerned that he might actually have some legs, that he might actually be able to get the job done. A Kennedy in the White House in 2024? It just might happen. We'll tell you how coming up next as the bottom line continues. You know the old expression, a picture is worth a thousand words? Well, if you're an expectant mom and you go to a pregnancy health center that is in partnership with Preborn, one picture can say way more than that. And that picture I'm talking about is an ultrasound picture. Every donation that goes to Preborn goes to providing ultrasounds for women who are expecting children and they want to know what all of their options are. When you call 833-850-BABY right now, you give a gift of $28 that provides one ultrasound. But if you give a gift toward the purchase of an ultrasound machine, now that's a $15,000 investment, but every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts a minimum of 10 years. That's 2,500 ultrasounds available to women right now. Think of all the babies, thousands of babies' lives that will be saved by your donation to preborn right now. Call 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Make your best donation right now. $50, $100. Maybe you want to give $15,000. It's completely tax deductible. We've had a couple of bottom line listeners step up and do just that. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. Welcome back to the Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We're giving away copies of Christina Bob's book. She is now the campaign election attorney for Donald Trump's campaign, and she's written a book called a book called Stealing Your Vote: The Inside Story of the 2020 Election and What It Means for 2024. And trust me, even if you're not a Donald Trump supporter, you will find this book fascinating simply because 
of the fact that uh, the case that she makes for the fact that the election was in fact stolen uh, grows stronger every day because of the fact that it was a two-party event. And that's probably the big reveal, the big revelation uh, from Christina Bob's book. We have two copies that we're giving away today. Uh, right now, you can give us a call at 800-227-5278. 800 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Now, uh, CNN reported this last week, and I'll be perfectly honest with you. Uh, you know, you have to wonder sometimes. There, there's the Kennedy mystique that has been around in America for generation after generation. But in all honesty, you know, people who still remember Camelot and John Kennedy and his brother Bobby Kennedy and, and uh, the, the, the Camelot thing in the White House and Marilyn Monroe and all that stuff, Jackie Kennedy Onassis, the Kennedy brand has been a pretty established brand for a while, but it's not nearly as, as influential as it once was. Having said that, there have been lots of Kennedys who have run for office over the course of the year, uh, or years, I should say, um, because of the fact that, uh, well, you know, let's face it, they, they're Kennedys. Uh, the last Kennedy to hold elected office, by the way, was uh, Joseph Kennedy III, who lost the Democratic Senate primary in 2020. He's now currently working for the Biden administration as a U.S. special envoy in Northern Ireland. Uh, Caroline Kennedy, the daughter of the former president, is currently the U.S. ambassador to Australia, which sounds like a pretty cool gig. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy served as Lieutenant Governor of Maryland from 1995 to 2003. Joseph uh, uh, the third, uh, another Joseph the second, was a congressman from Massachusetts from 1987 to 1999. And uh, Chris Kennedy ran unsuccessfully for governor of Illinois in 2018. Would any of those people want to throw their hat in the ring for the Democrat nomination in 2024 to run against Joe Biden? The short answer is no, they wouldn't. However, they do have an ally, and that is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Now, I don't know if you've been following what Robert Kennedy Jr. has been doing online. I was first drawn to some of the stuff he did on social media back at the start of the pandemic. Um, in case you don't know, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, is an environmental attorney, has been doing so for many, many years. Uh, he's very much the, I, I don't want to say the climate change guy and this, that, and the other thing, but he has been skeptical of vaccines and things of that nature. Um, he had made a lot of hay during the pandemic because he was one of those quote-unquote anti-vax guys. But he started doing a podcast and he started giving a platform to people who also fell into the same category. You know, and, and this is where it's important for us to hold a little cognitive dissonance here. I'm sure you would agree. Um, when the vaccine was first being promoted, when the lockdowns were first taking place, when people really didn't know what was going on, we're coming. You know, we just finished up with Easter Sunday, and I was um, I was thinking about uh, the Easter that we celebrated in 2020. Um, Lisa and I actually had to go to. Uh, we were running an errand. It was the middle of the day one day, and uh, it was right when they were announcing the lockdowns. It was just shortly before we were getting into the Lenten season. And I remember that's when our church had to make the decision, do we worship indoors, do we worship outdoors, you know, how do we, do we shut it down, what do we do? And so those first couple of indoor worship services three years ago were uh, one of our board members holding an iPhone and everybody trying to run the sound through Dan's Apple, you know, we tried to make it work. And it, the, the church wound up getting really good with better cameras and better sound and actually hiring a video director and, and it, it, it worked out very well. But we were all kind of skeptical. We, that first uh, Easter Sunday, 
I remember Lisa and daughter Ryan and I were at home watching everybody else do it on TV. We'd recorded the uh, uh, our church's service. And then we tried to do a Zoom call with a family to wish everybody a merry, you know, happy Easter and that type of stuff. And it was just weird. It was just, it was awkward. And I think about then, we, you know, after two weeks to slow the curve and three months and four months and five months, more and more people started asking questions. Remember America's frontline doctors, Dr. Simone Gold and company, uh, went out in front of the uh, Supreme Court building, I believe it was, and said, hey, um, we know that we're treating people. We know people have gotten COVID and we're treating them with ivermectin. We're treating them with uh, uh, Z-Packs. We're treating them with uh, things that the FDA has approved for other uses. They're not letting us use these. And the FDA was very suspicious in shutting that stuff down. And that's about the time that I formed my you know, opinion after watching it and studying it for a while, saying this seems more of like a federal takeover than anything else or a state takeover. And I'm anti-federal takeover. If you want to get the jab, get the jab. You want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you want to, you know, bulk up on zinc, do that. If you if you don't, don't. Uh, outside of people who are the most vulnerable, I'm talking about the elderly and the severely infirm, and the immunocompromised. Um, you know, everybody just you're free to move about the country. And guys like Robert F. Kennedy were giving a voice to people like Robert Malone and some of the America's frontline doctors. And so, of course, he got labeled by Democrats as a nut job because he, he's anti-vax, right? Well, it's interesting because the question has arisen, well, how much influence does this guy have? And the question has been answered by the fact that his social media presence has gotten huge over the past couple of years with people who aren't necessarily Republican or Democrat. They're just saying, we want more limited government. We want to be concerned about the environment and things of that nature. So um, basically, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., one week from today, will be in Boston, two weeks, a week from tomorrow, will be in Boston, and he will officially announce his campaign for president. Now, his dad was a senator. His dad was attorney general. By the way, Bobby Kennedy, of course, was assassinated in 1968. So here we are, you know, 60 years, 55 years plus that. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was just a boy back then. He's 69 now. But what would America look like with a Kennedy in the White House? Let's take a look at some of those scenarios on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to the Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We're, we're having a little fun here. Uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. has been teasing this for a while. And apparently last week he made it official that he is going to formally announce his candidacy. He's filed the paperwork. He's going to formally announce his candidacy for president of the United States uh, coming up on Wednesday, April the 19th. This is a guy who... Uh, CNN puts an article up here. They have a picture of him at a protest, uh, anti-vaccine protest in Italy or something like that. Now, think about the, the pedigree here. I'm not suggesting that just because his last name is Kennedy and his dad used to be attorney general back when he was a boy, that somehow, you know, it's, it's going to be a slam dunk for him. But here's why I like this happening. I like the fact, first and foremost, that the whole family didn't agree on it, quite frankly. I mean, you know, he gave a speech last year at the Lincoln Memorial and apparently invoked Nazi Germany in the whole government takeover thing. Um, in 2021, pre-Elon Musk, um, Instagram took down his account, quote, for repeatedly sharing debunked claims about the coronavirus or vaccines. Now, you do realize that once Matt Tiabi got a hold of uh, a lot of the information and some of the other uh, left-leaning pundits, once Elon Musk took over Twitter, we found out it wasn't guys like Robert Kennedy Jr. who were sharing the debunked things. It was actually Twitter that was doing the lying. But basically, he said, look, it, it, 
if it looks like I can raise the money and mobilize enough people to win, I'm going to jump in the race. He tweeted that out in March. And within a month, he said, you know what? Um, I'm going to do this. So now this is a guy as an environmental lawyer. He worked with a group that led the uh, cleanup of the Hudson River. He has uh, an organization called the Natural Natural Resources Defense Council. He co-founded an environmental law firm. I mean, this is where he is. I mean, this guy is full on green technology guy. His family doesn't know quite what to do with him. But remember, President Trump has already announced his uh, jump in the race. Nikki Haley has announced that she's going to run. Vivek Ramaswamy is a hot contender right now. Ron DeSantis has not officially uh, put his hat in the ring. Mike Pence is weighing his bid. Asia Hutchinson, former governor of Arkansas, wouldn't be a bad choice either. But to have more choices, especially on the Democrat side of the equation, might be good for everybody involved. And so I'll put that out there. I think it's a good thing that Robert Kennedy Jr. is announcing that he's running for president. And he might provide a little bit of uh, intrigue on the Democrat side of the equation. Speaking of uh, elections, uh, we've still got a couple of moments left for you to call in for Christina Bob's book called Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. Rabbi Schneider coming up next. For those who remain on the network, more Super Tuesday news coming your way next as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to the Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Still getting calls from uh, Christina Bob's book, uh, which is just a remarkable book. Uh, Stealing Your Vote is the name of the book, and we've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. This is all about the uh, the election of 2020 and what happened um, to the uh, what happened to the votes in 2022, how it continued in 20 uh, well 2020 and the 2022. And then how it continues on today. By the way, in case you missed it, one of the big uh, drivers for pushing the election uh, to uh, going to vote in situation was COVID. But COVID was a convenient out. Uh, Politicians actually in the the Democrat-led House of Representatives were pushing for a mail-in vote and a federalizing of the, uh, the American vote. Uh, back with House Resolution 1 back in 2019. House H.R. 1 is just something. Every year, the new House of Representatives puts together their force, their uh, their list of these are our agenda items, things we want to do. Ostensibly, it's good for the American people, but um, in the case of Nancy Pelosi's crew, they were trying to get federal oversight over state elections. And please don't forget, we are the United States of America. And simple civic lesson that anybody, one of us can figure out <laughs> Um, basically the simple uh, lesson to learn is that we, the people and the states get together and um, we act together as, you know, a a nation. But, you know, quite frankly, the name of the game right now for a lot of people is to try to take the statehood part out of the American lingo and make it uh, something that is uh, just, you know, one country instead of a country that is based on uh, the unification of 50 individual states plus the District of Columbia. And when that push happened, the COVID pandemic and the emergency protections, quote unquote, that were put into place actually officially ended yesterday. The federal government has been telling us the pandemic has been over for over two years, but it wasn't a federal 
mandate be, until the Senate signed a piece of legislation, passed a piece of legislation, I believe a week ago, and the president very quietly in the White House yesterday signed it into law. So now California is no longer under state restrictions for COVID. Went and visited my parents on Easter Sunday, and uh, uh, Lisa and I were pleasantly surprised to find out that we didn't have to put a temporary mask on. And then at their home, they live in an assisted living facility. And then on the federal level, that means no more COVID specialties. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to see some changes in the economy now. They're going to be tough for people to deal with because for the past three years, there have been extra federal protections that have been afforded to American citizens. You're wondering, how did we shut down all those businesses and keep people away from their normal life, quote unquote? And then um, we, they were able to you know, kind of keep doing what they're doing. And the reality is, are we back to normal yet? We're about 12% of the American population works from home full-time now. Um, During the pandemic, of course, people could work remotely, and now it's the, you must be back to work. But you have to wonder, too, about some of the financial pressures that people are dealing with. And does that lead to mass shootings, for example? I mean, there was another reported shooting in Louisville earlier today at a community college. One dead, one wounded. The suspects are still at large. This happened not too far away from the old National Bank, where the shooting happened yesterday. This was at South 8th Street and West Chestnut, um, just outside of the Jefferson Community and Technical College, the Technical College campus. And of course, the shooting yesterday that was really insidious, um, involving the young man, uh, who uh, Connor Sturgeon, who uh, was a three-sport athlete. He re- played football, basketball, and ran track at his high school and um, he had suffered some traumatic brain injuries um, when he was playing sports. As a matter of fact, it got so bad he had concussions that caused the TBIs back in the eighth grade, one of his former classmates said. And by the time he uh, became a student in high school, uh, at Floyd Kramer High School, he um, it got to the point where he had to play basketball with a helmet on because of the TBIs and the threat of Uh, more concussions and things of that nature and how uh, challenging that was for him. Um, His father had taken on, he was the men's basketball coach at the University of Indianapolis. That team did pretty well. In his 15 years there, they had five NCAA tournament appearances. His dad now teaches at Floyd Central, I said Floyd Kramer, Floyd Central High School um, in Indiana. That's the school where um, Todd Sturgeon was a history teacher and his son Connor. But this is a guy who I mean, graduated, uh, went to University of Alabama, got a master's degree in finance. But there are some pictures that have surfaced on the Internet of him playing basketball and he's wearing a protective helmet, kind of like they look like the old leather football helmets that they wore in professional football back in the day. Or sometimes you'll see a soccer player uh, out there playing with one of those. It's kind of it's awe inspiring to see him out there playing with the helmet on playing basketball. But there, were, he, there was that much concern for his safety with regard to the mental health issue. And uh, the fact that uh, when he played high school basketball, he literally was such a force for the team. He averaged uh, leading the team in scoring, and he averaged half their points every game. I mean, he was no slouch when it came to handling the stuff that he did. And every summer when he was in college, he interned at the bank. By the time he graduated after doing an internship for three consecutive years, he started as a full-time associate portfolio banker in their commercial development department in 2021. Apparently, 
there was talk that he was in danger of losing his job or that he had already been fired from his job. He came into the bank with a, a long assault rifle, 8.30 a.m., and just opened fire on the public in the first floor of the bank building. And what makes it even more bizarre in the day and age that we're living in is he live-streamed his shooting on Instagram. Eventually, he uh, aimed his rifle at police, and they fired back, and um, that was the end. Four casualties, eight other people were wounded. Just a tragic event. And this is the time when then the left will say, well, you know what? <clears throat> Here's what's, uh, what, what's going on here is if we had more common sense gun control, we would. Well, you know what? Um, guys, I have to say this every time it comes out. And again, my, uh, if you've ever been involved in a shooting, if you've ever been involved in anything that has to do with guns and it's resulted in a lousy situation, a bad end result for your family, my thoughts and prayers go out to you. A dear friend of mine from high school uh, is married to a woman whose uh, brother was injured by a stray bullet when they were kids. She was sitting right next to him. He wound up experiencing drug dependency because of his traumatic brain injury and it wound up costing him his life. She's an anti-gun crusader and has been. And I, I can understand the reason why people pursue those passions. But we have to understand something. And that is there is evil in the world and evil doesn't care about the law. If anything, uh, the evil forces in this world are going to drive you or try to drive you and me to give in to the evil forces in the world instead of acknowledging them and not running to hide from them, but to stand up to them. Coming up on Thursday on the Bottom Line Show, <clears throat> I strongly recommend you tune in. There's a new movie coming out called Nefarious. If you've read the uh, novel by the uh, conservative Christian writer Steve Deese, D-E-A-C-E, uh, he wrote a novel about six years ago called A Nefarious Plot. Nefarious is one of the names for one of the instruments of Satan, a demon, if you will who inhabits the, uh, the body, if you will, of a young man who is driven to commit capital murders, and he is a serial killer. He winds up behind bars for his offense, and the state law requires that uh, he be examined by a psychiatrist before the psychiatrist signs off on saying, yes, this guy knows what he's doing, because if he's insane, then they just lock him up for the rest of his life. And... He wore out one psychiatrist who wouldn't sign the papers. I, I won't get into the whole plot there. But a second psychiatrist goes in. The guy's an atheist. He doesn't really care about the spiritual side. And boy, does he get a quick introduction into the role of good versus evil. Nefarious. N-E-F-A-R-I-O-U-S is how you spell the, uh, the name of the movie. It's Kerry Solomon and Chuck Conselman, the two guys who made Unplanned, the Abby uh, Johnson movie about Planned Parenthood. It's a keeper. It is absolutely Oscar-worthy, and I don't say that lightly. It'll be in theaters this Friday, and uh, Chuck and Carrie are going to join me Thursday to talk about it. And, of course, we're going to be giving away tickets. Right? We'll do theater Thursday instead of movie Monday. How about that? Hey, we'll take a quick break here, and as we continue, speaking about the presence of evil in the land, there is a force that is trying to convince young women especially that there's nothing wrong with eliminating the fetal remains in your womb, that an unplanned pregnancy, just terminate the pregnancy, no problem. And, you know, the surgical abortion thing that gotten such a bad rap in movies like Unplanned. Well, what if you didn't have to have the surgery? What if you could just take a pill or two? And that would make your pregnancy end. 
Well, you and I both know those are euphemisms for killing a child in the womb. And now 52% of abortions performed in the U.S. are what are called, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'll say this is what the term they use, medical abortions. They used to call them chemical as opposed to surgical, but now they're called medical abortions. You ever wondered why giving mifepristone and and the other follow-up medication to that, which the first medication starves the baby and the second one forces the baby's body out? Because mom's body is saying, hey, there's a baby in there. I'm fighting to protect that baby. And you have to do something chemically to mom's body to get her body to cooperate in eliminating the child. Lathan Watts is the vice president of public affairs for the Alliance Defending Freedom. And Alliance Defending Freedom has a case before the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals right now that would stop medical-slash-chemical-slash-pill-based abortions in the U.S. Want to know what the details about this one? Well, they're coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account, Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Well, special guest joining me today here on The Bottom Line Show, Roger Marsh, along with Lathan, Lathan Watts, who's the uh, Vice President of Public Affairs for the Alliance Defending Freedom. We have big news that was handed down late Friday night, and uh, we're making such a big deal out of it now because the mainstream media, of course, is trying to fight this with regard to the halting of an illegal practice in the abortion industry. Lathan Watts, welcome to The Bottom Line Show today. Thanks so much for having me. Let's talk about this case because we were rejoicing with you at ADF with regard to the fact that uh, Alliance Defending Freedom had filed a motion against the Food and Drug Administration. For all the times during the COVID lockdown, we heard, well, you can't treat this disease with this medication or something like that because it isn't, quote unquote, approved for that use. It sounds like Alliance Defending Freedom found a similar thing was happening in the abortion industry. Tell us the story, if you would. Certainly. So uh, the Food and Drug Administration, all the way back in the year 2000, um, illegally approved uh, chemical abortion drugs for use in the United States. Uh, Our clients, uh, four individual doctors and and some medical associations, challenged the FDA's approval of that back in 2000 um, by filing a petition, which is what's required under the FDA rules. By the FDA's own rules, they were supposed to respond to our clients within 180 days, and instead they took 14 years to respond. Um, And on the day they finally responded, that same day, they also lifted um, the safety protocols that they had approved when they approved the drug. So on the same, after 14 years of stonewalling our clients, the same day they finally said, we disagree, they also reduced the requirement for in-person doctor's visits from three to one, 
lifted the restriction that it can only be a doctor to prescribe the drug, approved it uh, to be sent to the mail, which is uh, a violation of the Comstock Act, um, and lifted the re reporting requirements for doctors uh, to report any adverse uh, effects of the drug unless it resulted in death. So at every step along the way, uh, the, the FDA has abandoned its mission of protecting the health and safety of consumers in favor of promoting, frankly, a political agenda of creating uh, a, a nationwide mail-order abortion market. Mm, incredible. And when you think about what happened, especially during the three-year lockdown, which officially, from what we understand, uh, ended when President Biden signed this measure yesterday that said we are no longer under emergency guidelines for that, but for everything from the way we do business to the way we vote and even to the way we are, well, I should say to the way medical care, quote unquote, is dispensed. Um, that was all kind of, it seems like it was immediate or kind of in the short term for us, but it sounds like this has been going on for several decades. Yes, um, Frank, for a decade and a half, uh, the FDA just refused to answer our clients' concerns. And once they finally did and, and then lifted the uh, the safety protocols that required by the FDA rules, our clients to file another petition, which they ignored for a couple more years. So once they finally got around to answering that one, only then could we actually bring this case to court, which is why it's now finally in court. And thankfully, as you mentioned on uh, Good Friday, uh, Judge Kazmarek in the Northern District granted our uh, motion for a preliminary injunction uh, to take these drugs off the shelf while the litigation proceeds. Now, he did voluntarily stay his order for a week to allow the government to file an emergency appeal mm -hmm. if they wanted to, and they did. Um, so that's now at the Fifth Circuit, and we're um, in the process of um, responding. And once the Fifth Circuit rules, um, or it may it could potentially go to the Supreme Court, once the appeals uh, have been heard, um, if Judge Kaczmarek's order stands, then these very dangerous drugs will be off the market while our litigation um, proceeds. And these drugs are dangerous to women. Um, one in five who undergo a chemical abortion suffer a serious complication and require more attention. Um, it has a complication rate four times higher than surgical abortions. Wow. Um, so... And, and roughly half the abortions or, or maybe slightly over 50% of the abortions in the country are done with chemical abortion drugs now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is about protecting the health and safety of, of women to say nothing yeah. of you know what this does to the child. This is right. a threat to the safety of the women who are taking these drugs. It's amazing. Talking to Lathan Watts today here on The Bottom Line, Vice President of Public Affairs for the Alliance Defending Freedom. We've got a link at our website at thebottomlineshow.com for all of the information about this case, which Alliance Defending Freedom has been fighting literally for the past 20 years. And Lathan, you mentioned something uh, just a moment ago that I think is worth repeating, because there are so many people that we know who, uh, you know, I mean, let's face it, 65% of Republicans, 35% of Democrats proclaim to be pro-life, and yet the GOP platform is far more pro-life than the Democrat Party platform is. So I know we have listeners on both sides of the aisle who are listening to this, and you know people of the Catholic faith who are saying, hey, wait, I've been voting Democrat my whole life, and I'm pro-life, but I had no idea this kind of stuff was going on. The idea, and you, you refer to it as a, a chemical abortion, I'm hearing the reference now, kind of they're changing the language to go from chemical to medical, and yet at the same time, it has four times the 
greater risk of injuring a woman or possibly even taking her life as well as the baby's life instead of a surgical abortion? I mean, how is that medical? And I mean, that's a rhetorical question, but I mean, how could they with a straight right. face say, this is this is medical and this is vital medicine? I mean, last time I checked, pregnancy is not an illness. I mean, did something change over the past five, 10 years? Right. And it's. I'm glad you, you brought that up because I forgot to. That, that was the basis of their approval for this drug all the way back in the year 2000. They declared pregnancy to be an illness hmm. and that mifepristone provided a meaningful therapeutic benefit to that illness. Wow. Um, Based on what, then, if you don't mind me asking? I mean, it's so incredible to think that these are the scientists who keep telling us the science is settled. They literally at the Food and Drug Administration determined that pregnancy was an illness 20 years ago? They had to in order to go through sort of their fast track approval process. Mm. Uh, it ordinarily can take up to 20 years to get a, a drug from the very beginning stage at the FDA to the market. Um, but if there's a um, uh, the, the fast track process shortens that down uh, considerably. Unbelievable. Um, and most of the drugs that they have approved under that process, if you go back to the time period when they were looking at this, most of the drugs that went through this similar um, fast track approval were for things like cancer or AIDS. Right. Yeah. Um, so they are basically putting pregnancy on that same list. Incredible. Um, so we're, you know, obviously we're, we're thrilled with um, uh, the ruling. Um, now we just have to go through the, um, the necessary appeals process and um, wait to see how that turns out. And then we'll proceed with the um, the merits of the case. Yeah, Lathan Watts is uh, Vice President of Public Affairs for Alliance Defending Freedom. He's with me today here on The Bottom Line. Alliance Defending Freedom leading the charge here with this legal action against uh, the uh, Food and Drug Administration. Officially, the uh, case is called Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine versus the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. And, and round one goes to the Alliance Defending Freedom and people who want to protect the sanctity of human life for both mother and child with regard to mifepristone. Uh, no longer being considered a quote-unquote emergency medication, but rather realizing the dangers that it does. It's at the Fifth Circuit now, predictably. I mean, this, the, the case was announced on Friday that it would have basically been overturned, the use, and now the White House has responded in kind. And, of course, they'll rally their troops, and we saw this happen during the 2022 midterms. All they have to do is tell their their newly uh, energized voting block of white college educated women that their their rights are at risk and these evil Christians are trying to take away democracy and stuff like that. The Fifth Circuit Court seems to be a pretty fair and balanced court compared to the Ninth Circus Court that we have out here in California. What do you think our chances are? What's the, what's the timetable for this being upheld before it eventually goes to the Supreme Court for review? Right. So. Um... Judge Kazimerick allowed uh, seven days uh, before his order goes into effect for the, the government to file an emergency appeal, which they have. And so now our response um, to their uh, brief um, will be due Monday. Um, and so then, you know, it's up to the Fifth Circuit. Um, uh, they did ask the Fifth Circuit to to um, uh, to stay his injunction or to grant an administrative stay that would allow them to go directly to the Supreme Court. So we have to wait and see what the Fifth Circuit does, and then we'll know if um, if they're uh, if they're going to go to the Supreme Court. Um, I don't think the the um, the the wait on um, 
this ruling on this motion, I don't think that will take that long. Um, but you never know. Uh, so it, you know, it's hard to predict um, how these things are 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 going to play out. But once the um, the ultimate decision on Judge Kaczmarek's order is is done, then the actual um, litigation can can go forward because what we're talking about right now is uh, an injunction, preliminary injunction, which would take the drugs off the market while the case goes forward right. at the district okay. court level. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we will certainly keep our listeners in tune with the ADFlegal.org and the information that we have there. We'll keep that well posted at the thebottomlineshow.com. But I understand uh, how important this case is and uh, so grateful that Lathan Watts is from the Alliance Defending Freedom, the vice president of public affairs there, has been able to uh, get us up to speed as to what's going on. It's a good news report, but there's still a lot of work to do. And we're so grateful that Alliance Defending Freedom is leading the charge and your faithful financial support makes that possible. So go to Crawford Media Group. Net. Click on the banner for ADF and make sure you make a generous donation today uh, to commemorate this monumental event. Lathan Watts, Vice President of Public Affairs for Alliance Defending Freedom, thank you so much for the work that you do and for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Happy to come back anytime. What a powerful discussion about a most important topic. And boy, I'll tell you what, um, the fight for the sanctity of human life requires our participation in helping our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom. Go to the banner at Alliance Defending Freedom, uh, banner at CrawfordMediaGroup.net, and make your best donation to support the work of ADF today. Some final thoughts about this great news coming out of the uh, Alliance Defending Freedom regarding the sanctity of human life. It's coming up next as the bottom line continues. You know, I'll never forget the moment I met my grandson, Isaac. It actually wasn't in the delivery room. That was the first time I held him. But the first time I actually met Isaac was when I went with his mother to her ultrasound appointment, and the ultrasound technician showed us a picture of that eight-week-old baby in the womb. Uh, you know, I encourage you to contact Preborn right now and make a donation to provide that same experience for another family. Maybe there's someone in your family who's expecting a child right now. They've had the ultrasound. You've seen the picture. You've heard the heartbeat, and you think, wow, how can I bless someone else? Studies show that 83% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and see that ultrasound either choose to become mothers and raise the children on their own or release the child for adoption. It cuts the risk of, it cuts the rate of abortion dramatically. But your donations are necessary right now to get more ultrasound machines into preborn health clinics. Give a gift online when you go to kbrightradio.com and click the banner that says preborn. Cute little baby there wrapped up in a blanket. Or give a gift over the phone. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY, that's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn, make a donation. Every ultrasound machine could do 250 ultrasounds per year, so give a gift right now. My thanks again to Lathan Watts, the Vice President of Public Affairs for the Alliance Defending Freedom and Good News that was kind of snuck in at the last minute on Friday by the Food and Drug Administration and the uh, Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, which will now be taking up this case out of Texas. The Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine is a nonprofit membership organization that represents nearly 30,000 healthcare professionals, and they are the ones who filed suit against the FDA, in short, saying the Mifepristone, the drug that you have been using to basically kill babies in the womb since 2000. This is RU486, the French abortion pill, under a different name. And for 20 years, Alliance Defending Freedom has been fighting the use of this pill because it has never been clinically done a clinical trial 
about safety for women and being able to use it. And the way that this went from the French abortion pill to a German parent company to Bill Clinton's administration, encouraging them to, quote unquote, donate the patent for RU486 to a group called the Population Council, which was founded by John D. Rockefeller III, uh, supposedly to address the world overpopulation. And now they've reclassified this medication and pregnancy as an illness. And this is a treatment for the illness. Oh, my heavens. If you've been to a preborn clinic and you've gotten an ultrasound or you've seen an ultrasound before, you know that that baby in the womb who has a beating heart is not an illness, but a human being and a miracle and a gift from God. When you donate to preborn, you are preserving that miracle and giving those children a chance to live. 833-850-BABY. Make a $28 donation today and save a child's life this month. Do it every month. $28 every month will make it happen. The sanctity of human life is worth fighting for because God says so. In the same way you and I are created in his image, so are these children created in his image. And would we be remiss in standing for the sanctity of human life because God created human life and said that it was good. That's the good news. And that's the bottom line.